You are listening to the Manos Accelerator podcast in partnership with Google Launchpad. We interview rockstar entrepreneurs who share their exact formulas for success in customer acquisition, growth hacking, fundraising, or scaling a company. And I'm your host, Juan Felipe Campos. Manos Nation, there is no better way for you to support the production of this podcast than by giving us a review and a five-star rating on iTunes. Let's help each other out. I will send you a list of 100 grants to fund your startup if you review the podcast on iTunes and then tag us on a social media post. Okay, it's very easy. So step one, support us by rating this podcast five stars on iTunes. Step two, tag Manos Accelerator on a social media post. And step three, I will send you a list of 100 grants for your startup. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Manos Accelerator podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, Mr. Jeff Fenster. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much. Really excited to be here. Big fan. Jeff, can you please tell us at a high level what it is that you have been doing your career and how it is that you got here? Uh, I like to call myself a serial entrepreneur. My wife chooses degenerate entrepreneur, but I like the more sophisticated term. Uh, But ultimately what I am is I'm a startup guy. I love the vision and the idea of taking nothing and turning it into something. I have what I like to call entrepreneurial ADD. So I jump from industry to industry and really like to come in with a fresh eyes and disruption approach and really bring a whole new approach to an industry um, that wasn't there before. And I just love that whole startup phase. That's awesome. And Jeff, uh, a, a lot of founders, like we keep being told, like we have to focus a lot on our product. Whenever you like jump into a new startup, you have to focus on it and see it as like a three to 10 year commitment. But there's a lot that we can learn from someone that has been able to successfully, successfully jump around between different industries and start something from scratch and grow it into something remarkable. So can you tell us a little bit at a high level how it is that you think about this idea of like, starting, like hopping around, but also then leapfrogging in growth and being able to generate a lot of traction very, very quickly. Absolutely. So I think a lot of entrepreneurs come with this big, grandiose idea of, I'm going to see this company from idea all the way through to some extreme exit, as you mentioned, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, not recognizing, or maybe they do recognize that everyone has a position to play. Everyone has their strengths and their weaknesses. And rather than shy away from my weaknesses, I run towards them. And I understand I'm a startup founder. I'm a startup CEO. There gets to a point where my companies outgrow me. And it's more, uh, it's, it's smarter for me to bring in someone who can take it to the next level and then allow me to go back to my strengths, which is start another company. Uh, so that's kind of been how I've attacked my businesses historically. I've been a three to five year guy at all of my different companies. Um, however, with this latest project, Everbull, I've really taken a, a new approach to it to better utilize my skills as a startup founder. Um, and took a vertical integration of multiple startups to build a bigger empire. And that's kind of what we're doing at Everbull, which is unique for me in, in my past, but I'm really excited about what we've been able to accomplish, really taking it with that approach. And something I think more entrepreneurs need to understand that they have that power. They have the ability to leverage multiple startups inside of one ecosystem to really drive the overarching company further and farther than it would by itself. And this will definitely resonate with at least a third of the audience because there's basically three types of founders or three types of entrepreneurs. We have the visionaries that are like what it sounds like you are, Jeff. You are able to come up with these ideas. You get very, very excited about starting a company, starting an idea. Then we have operators that love just the day to day and actually scaling something um, or actually 
running something, I should say, because then the third bucket is the scalers that actually jump into something that's already working and they are able to see all of the problems, all of the issues with an already existing business and they can successfully fix those and then have it go into something uh, very large. And this is like where private equity comes in. So if we just zoom in and anyone that resonates with your story, we zoom into how you actually start something what is your process? Do you have like a, a process or a framework or a mindset that would help someone that's listening to this, they resonate with your idea, for them to do it successfully and not just resent the fact that they also have that visionary starter skill set? Sure. So a lot of starter, like, so Everbowl, right? That's that's the main project I'm working on today. We craft superfoods. It's a chain of quick serve restaurants, 21 locations. We're, we're opening another 24 this year. Uh, been in business just over two years. Wow. Um, and really wanted to penetrate, and I never wanted to own restaurants, first and foremost. So I don't know anything about restaurants. Uh, however, when I started at the end of 16, it was fresh eyes and disruption. And I looked at why quick serve restaurants are so risky, why it costs so much money to open, why are they failing at such a high rate, and what are all these issues? And so... One of the main things that, that is very important that I stress for myself is being the dumbest guy at the table. And while that sounds like I'm not educated, no, it's the alternative. I really bust my ass to learn everything I can and know everything I can, but then surround myself with rock stars, people who know more than me and give them the freedom to in, join my enterprise and collectively we kick ass. So with Everbowl, you know, I looked at the four main reasons why people don't eat healthy. And so I, oh, I believe all businesses have to either solve a problem or provide a new service or new technology or a new solution that's not out there. And so Everbowl specifically, we were solving why we don't eat healthy. And I looked at it and I analyzed it and said, okay, the four main reasons why people make bad healthy eating choices, it costs too much to eat healthy, it doesn't taste good, it doesn't fill you up, or you can't get it. And if I could solve those four challenges, I could provide quick serve healthy eating and hopefully scale and dominate my marketplace. And so Everbowl went out to solve those four, but inside of that ecosystem, that's where the entrepreneurial ADD for me gets to thrive is how do you build a brand around that? And so understanding that it costs too much to build restaurants, I started a construction company called We Build. We Build Stuff is actually the name of the company and We Build Everbowls. So understanding that I needed to build a lot of restaurants and I wanted to do it for a lot less, I started a construction company inside of the Everbowl ecosystem and now I'm able to build restaurants for a fraction of the price it would cost me to go to market and solve a major hurdle for a lot of entrepreneurs in the restaurant space that are trying to grow. Additionally, I needed to get my brand to be more readily available to everybody. So how do I get it outside of the brick and mortar four walls of our stores? We launched the CPG line where it's a consumer packaged goods division where now we can put our brand on different packaged goods and get it out of the home and onto the online world, Amazon, eBay, our direct website you know, big traditional uh, grocery chains. So now I have the ability to leverage digital marketing, which was a company I used to own, uh, to further propel the brand. Additionally, we import a lot of products from around the world and middlemen increase the cost, which makes it so I have to charge my customer, customer more. So how do I drive the cost down for my customer? I cut out middlemen and I started an import company where we import our own superfoods called Real Happy Foods. So we import our own products. And for me, that gives me the flexibility of having these multiple startups, bringing in world-class best-in-breed talent to help me grow and scale them. And ultimately now I have four or five startups inside of one which solves my, my ADD, but additionally makes us very dangerous because now we have more irons in the fire and now our construction arm is being reached out to by other restaurants that want us to build for them. So now I have this own little company inside of a company. Our import company, we are getting asked if we could provide superfoods because I don't have to make a ton of money importing superfoods because that's not my main business. I need to drive my cogs down, my cost of goods sold, and, and give that back to my uh, customers. But ultimately, I now have the power of another entity. So really understanding 
understanding the power of leveraging multiple startups inside of one is something I don't think enough entrepreneurs take a look at. And they always are like, well, I need this, so I have to find a, a, a supplier. I need this, I need to find a service provider. And what that's doing is, is that's giving the, the, the power away that you have when you own your own enterprise. Right. So you're probably coming from the angle of at least picking your own your, your own bloat, let's say, because a lot of other companies they're they're bloated in the sense that they have all of these suppliers, they have all of these relationships to manage, and that ends up increasing the price. And you're saying, okay, if that's going to happen, you guys already have that let's say ball and chain around you. I would rather at the very least pick what the, what those things are and and have them funnel into my pocket instead of just feeding other people's pockets with the same. And I can increase the quality of the product, I can decrease the price, I can increase the distribution, be more strategic about where I want to go. Makes a lot of sense. And also, I just want to point out, this is a paradigm that is very encouraged, not that specifically, This what I'm about to say is a paradigm that's encouraged by Y Combinator, which is one of the best accelerators in the world based here in Silicon Valley. And what they say is that the best startup ideas aren't ideated, they're actually noticed. So you were, you were noticing this problem, you were noticing the, the reason that people aren't eating healthy, and then you're noticing all of these different challenges and you're building solutions around it, rather than running straight to like a business model canvas and then trying to do the exercises to ideate an idea. You're noticing, and then maybe then supporting it with more of the frameworks, the infrastructure of okay, is this uh, kosher, like in in uh, academic sense, which makes a lot of sense. Before we continue with the episode, you should know about this. We recently partnered with Brex, the smart credit card for founders to finance and boost their startups. Everything about Brex is made for startup and e-commerce founders just like you. The card scales with you and gives you up to 20 times higher credit limits than any competing card. And for listeners of this podcast, benefit from our partnership and get $5,000 in AWS credits plus absolutely no card fees for life by activating your account through our partnership link. It's brex.com slash manos. Brex, B-R-E-X dot com slash manos, M-A-N-O-S, to get all of your fees waived for life and $5,000 in AWS credits. Now on to the episode. Now a question that I have for you, Jeff, is someone's listening uh to this, and I know this message must. This has to be a very polarizing episode, I'm sure, because a lot of people are listening to this. Like, this makes no sense to me. Jeff is doing a million things, and then on the other hand, we have a lot of people that are like, "Jeff is my hero. I want to do everything he's doing. I wish that I could create that ecosystem." So let's speak to the people. Let's not worry about convincing anyone. Uh, let's speak to the people that actually want to pull this off successfully. They look at you as an amazing case study on how they they could run their ecosystem. What advice would you have to them about? how you can actually pull this off and that it doesn't end up falling apart with its own momentum. What, how, how do you focus? How do you put in the right people in place? How do you finance such a large ecosystem? Can you speak to how you can actually pull this off successfully? Sure, absolutely. And it doesn't just apply to the food space. It applies to technology. I mean, if you look at any of the big brands out there and you look at even a company like Red Bull, which does energy drinks, that's really not what they do. They're a media company. You look at Google, it's not really a search engine, right? It's an advertising and content platform. You look at Facebook, they make their money doing ads. So it's done actually by a lot of different companies across a lot of different fields. To the ones who are looking to understand how you pull it off is don't go crazy with it. It sounds crazy the way I have to say it out in two minutes, but really there's a lot more sophistication that goes to it. It's called easy in, easy out. And what I mean by that is, is don't take unnecessary risk, right? So I knew I was going to build 20 restaurants in two years. So I knew already I was going to spend that cash. 
So I didn't go start a construction company with the idea of building one restaurant. No, I outsourced that. But once I recognized that I had a business model that was ready to scale, it became how do I scale? And so how did I scale? Well, I got bids and the bids were excessively high because all the people that were providing those bids had to make money on it. So essentially their, their margin is my savings. So really it was easy and easy out knowing that when I started WeBuild, I knew that I was my own client. I didn't have much risk there because I was building the restaurants anyway. Same thing with the importation company. I'm buying the goods regardless to sell through my stores. So there's no risk for my company because ultimately we're going to use the product regardless. I don't need to make money doing it. So for you to pull it off for yourself, look at the different areas inside of your organization or your enterprise, whether it is technology or it's a brick and mortar physical products uh, company, what are the areas that you're going to utilize regardless, right? And then what can you do to cut out middlemen, go direct to the source and actually put it inside of your own ecosystem so you can control it, right? Fun fact, McDonald's is the largest chicken manufacturer, chicken farm manufacturer in the world. McDonald's is also the largest toy manufacturer in the world. Most people don't know that. The Happy Meal toy McDonald's itself is the largest toy manufacturer in the world. Wow. Because they understood that we need to give toys wow. in Happy Meals, right? So I didn't come up with this idea. Again, I like to be the dumbest guy and surround myself with smart people. So I look at what other smart, successful companies did. And McDonald's is a great reference for me because when I realized that they made more toys than all of the big toy manufacturers simply because they're giving them away in a Happy Meal, it was like the light went off and said, oh my gosh, there is a better way. And, and, you know, how it's applied has to obviously be done by the operator and they need to look inside their own organization, but find them because they are there. And that is where you can pick up points all over the place to make your, your balance sheet look better. Also protect you from outside influences where, you know, a supplier raises price on you and now your cost of goods went up on whatever widget you happen to be selling. You can cut that through and Alibaba and our, the world became small with the internet, right? So whether you're importing from other countries and you need to use an Alibaba or anything like that, there is a lot of opportunities that are being missed, I believe, uh, by organizations. So I think it, it's just a moment of self-reflection internally and say, okay, what can we be doing and how can we be doing it better? And then just an entrepreneurial uh tidbit that I use all the time is, are you solving the right problem? A lot of times it's like, well, it costs too much money for us to import this product, so let's go find another supplier somewhere else. Well, stop. What if you manufacture it yourself? Are you solving the right problem? Are you attacking the right problem? So, Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. And to your point, it's you have to be smart and have the entrepreneurial discipline, and this is where your experience probably kicks in because I'm sure you've done it the wrong way before, and now you have the discipline to say, okay, it's not a, starting an e-commerce surf shop and then an Instagram like model agency and then also a construction company. It's no, no, no. This is all part of the same game plan. It's one holding company, and all I'm doing is unbundling this big vision and coming up with like shell LLCs that. Um, could even be operated by the same four people, um, and and the perception of it is that we have all of these different companies, but that's no different, really. Like if your accountant is working across all five of the companies, it's no different than him being a freelance accountant having five clients, or him working at a, a you know at an accounting firm, and then they have five clients. Like how is that any different from an operations perspective? It just gives you the ability to call it what it is. No, we're not a burger shop. We're a toy manufacturing. We're a real estate uh, company to your example of McDonald's. That's actually what's happening here. We can't like, like obviously to the outside world, we, we say we're selling burgers, but inside of us, we're, we're an operations company. And really what we're doing is these like three things and they're all working together. And to the outside, we're known as McDonald's. Inside, we know we have a chicken company and we have a toy company and all of that. Walk us a little bit through the HR 
part of this. How do you think about hiring and do you actually hire horizontally? Like I'm suggesting that it's like one person across the multiple fields or do you like keeping kind of like uh, independent CEOs that are ultimately responsible for the success of each of those companies? Wait, a perfect scenario would be the latter, but in reality, right, I'm, I'm still a startup and I'm still limited by the same things that all startups are, which is working capital and access to people who want to come in and buy into the vision. So it does start horizontally. It does say, like, we're entrepreneurs, right? We wear a million hats. Uh, we have... Currently, we have 437 employees under the Everbowl umbrella now, so we're a lot bigger. Um, but there were days when there were six of us trying to figure out how to, you know, I'm holding scotch tape onto the map onto the wall and ha- having to hire and train and, and uh, be on the phone. So I think it starts with a horizontal line, and then naturally the right people get attracted. So when I recognized that we needed to reinvent the construction arm, um, it wasn't just standard construction. We wanted to not only do it, but it's fresh eyes and disruption. So I found someone who's best in breed to come in made them understand the longer term vision. Once they got bought into that, now they come in and they kind of run that department for Everbowl. Um, so it is now more of the latter, which is a little bit more systematically like, hey, I'm in charge of this, you're in charge of that, I'm in charge of this, you're in charge of that. Uh, but it didn't start there. Um, and it also applies, I think it's important for this lesson of multiple startups and vertical integration to look at even from service providers, right? A lot of companies, like when I had a digital marketing agency, I used to outsource some of those functions. Facebook advertising, I had a guy who, who or a girl who did all of our PPC for our customers. I had someone who worked on our SEO and someone who built our websites. But like all companies, eventually as you grow, you tend to bring them in-house anyway way as an employee it's the same concept we're bringing in employees but instead of an employee a person it's actually an entire business unit and it can be done and accomplished the same way and if you look at big organizations even in the tech space right they systematically acquire brands to bring them in-house so they have that as an in-house arm google and facebook are buying companies left and right for that exact same purpose it's just the people they're buying rather than the actual brick and mortar of an import of a product or a construction company. They're buying a, you know, a video, uh, a video streaming company to put into the YouTube platform, right? Or they buy, you know, Facebook buys Instagram, which is a whole nother company. They're doing the same thing, but they're buying instead of starting. And I'm just suggesting that as a startup without the, you know, the, the wallet size of some of the bigger brands, it's more powerful and more easy for a lot of people to just start one themselves, knowing that as long as it's a function of your business, and it's not something that's going to be a distraction or you know a bright light that's going to derail you from your real vision, then that's what you should consider and see how it might apply. That makes a lot of sense. Jeff, as a final question here, because this opens up a whole topic, and I'm sure we could do a whole episode just on hiring, but as a follow-up question to hiring and how you think about integrating these team members, if someone's listening to this, they're very early on, they don't have the capital to just pay salaries for four or five people that they're going to need to uh, run these horizontal roles. Do you have any like super tactical advice about how you can onboard someone off of equity and like how you can basically pay them with momentum and say, hey, this is exactly what I'm doing. This is where I'm going. And this is how I can make sure that you're getting compensated fairly. What does this look like? Someone's listening right now in Florida. How do they execute your exact vision, but in their ecosystem? So the so obviously they have to have a compelling story, right? You've got to put the vision together. You can't just immediately jump in the pool and start swimming. I think too many people start at the beginning and say, I want to get to that island and they start swimming. You've got to work backwards. That's the only way that you can put this together and say, okay, that's the island. We're going to go step by step from the end to now. And that's going to tell you where to go first. And so when you do that and you can portray that to that individual or that that 
in your ecosystem to get them to buy into the vision, people buy into what they understand. They don't buy into, well, let's all try to get here. You know, we want to grow to be a $100 million company. I hear that from a lot of entrepreneurs all the time. That doesn't tell me anything, right? I'd rather you say, this is where we're going. We're going to sell to Coca-Cola and Coca-Cola is going to buy us for a hundred million because we're going to have this, 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 and this in place. From there, we're going to build that by getting to here, by getting to here, by getting to here. And it starts with you joining my team today. And together, this is what we're going to accomplish. I can't pay you a lot of money necessarily, but I'm going to give you equity. So you understand that what we're building is going to be there and how we're going to get the money together is when we hit this milestone, we're going to have access to this kind of funding. We're going to get this kind of bank, uh, you know, access to banking, bank financing or debt. We're going to also be able to sell and look at what we're going to be able to do because because that cost of good savings we're going to get when you help me figure out how we're going to import these superfoods is going to give us an extra three points on our on our bottom line, and that's going into your pocket first. So I'm going to get you your the cash you need to live. We're going to do it in that way, and because I've sold you the end first, you understand the vision. I'm not hiding it here. It doesn't. You don't come in and go, this guy's crazy. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's just throwing stuff against the wall and hope it sticks. No, you've really put together a formal uh, plan from. Z to A, not from A to Z. And so it's easy for someone to understand how they fit. And additionally, you'll know when you need them. You might not need that person today, even though you think you do, right? I started the construction site on my own. You give me a hammer, I don't, I don't even know which side of the thing to use. I'm the least handy human <laughs> being, right? But what I did is I fumbled my way through getting the initial phases together. And when I brought someone in, I said, listen, we're going to end up paying, we're building seven restaurants right now. We're going to go pay somebody. I'm going to pay you a lot less but you're going to have equity and here's how I'm going to do it. And so I was able to get what's called just in time. And that's how I operate, which is figuring out what is the just in time resource you need. So it's not too early where you're overpaying or you have to find capital you don't have, but they come in at the right time and they believe in the vision and it's clearly articulated. So you are operating with a coherent strategy and not just running crazy, starting companies thinking, you know, chasing squirrels. Right, and to add to that, make it super relevant for startup founders that are fundraising right now. What Jeff is proposing is exactly how you hire, first of all, any team members, and second of all, how you're able to raise venture capital. Because essentially, what he's saying is you have to be able to have the confidence to shake someone by the shoulders. And people just read that headline and they're like, oh, okay, I, I can fake it. And it's like, no, 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 no. Don't get it from faking it. Get it from actually having a plan that makes so much sense that when you talk to a VC, you have a compelling argument for your exit plan or for going IPO, and you have the relevant credentials to speak with that level of authority. And it's not just a plan on a piece of paper. If you are able to get it from experience that you've worked in the corporate world, great. If you're able to get it because you hired the right co-founders that join your team and they did work at NASA and or Coca-Cola and they know exactly why Coca-Cola won't take you out of business, amazing. Or if you need to sign on advisors and have them uh, take some equity, you know, 1%, 2% at most, for, uh, using a fast contract like you can get from Founder Institute, the Founder Advisor Standard Template Agreement, <laughs> then you're, uh, that's a mouthful, then you're able to prove to a VC, just like Jeff has done to his team, that you have a compelling argument and you can paint by the dots, um, reverse paint by the dots, how it is that you're going to get to a place where everybody's happy, and then it's much easier to onboard people, hey, I need you for X amount of time to hit X amount of milestones to get us to Y location, and then from then on, well, that, that's where money is. At that point, it really just is about partnering with the people that are excited about the vision and are able to come onboarded. And I'll tell you that, you know, that model, exactly what you just laid out is exactly how we did, right? I self-funded the beginning and then really quickly I got inundated with financial requests to either buy a franchise or invest. So I started taking some friends and family money. Um, then private equity started knocking on my door long before I ever needed the money because what they saw was 
this, what is going on? How are, how are they growing so fast? How are they doing this? And so what happened is they started knocking on your door and we raised, you know, we raised a bunch of private equity, 3 million back in November of 2018, uh, from a big PE firm that focuses on our space. And to be honest, they came to me. Um, they came to me when I didn't need money. We kept the conversation going, but the beauty of it is when you can articulate the vision from Z to A to them, they're going to be begging you to take their money because they understand that you have a plan and you know what you're doing. And oh my gosh, look at all these fail safes that are built into this thing that we are able to leverage together. So I think you just articulated better than I ever have. Right. So I'm going to actually steal from you. <laughs> and I said this was going to be a polarizing episode. So let's end on a positive note on somewhere in the middle, because I'm sure people are getting triggered by this. Oh my gosh, this just sounds like I'm going to go out and try to onboard a bunch of people to my vision. I am a technical founder. I am a planner. I don't see myself shaking people by, by the shoulders. And then we have other people, their personality is, I want to start a million startups. And all I want to do is shake people by the shoulders. The truth of the matter is we can all learn from each other's skill sets. And if we find ourselves in the middle where we actually have a plan, it actually is watertight. We do have have the right people recruited. We do have the right advisors that can help us figure out what the future is going to look like. And we are able to confidently shop that opportunity around and give people that fear of missing out, that FOMO, where it says, this is going to happen with or without you. This is the direction we're going. That's the best of both worlds. And that's when you can have a compelling story for your startup. Okay, Manos Nation, do not forget my offer to help each other out. I'll send you a list of 100 grants to fund your startup. All you have to do is leave a five-star rating on iTunes and then tag Manos Accelerator on a social media post. Again, leave a five-star review on iTunes and then tag Manos Accelerator on social media to receive a list of 100 grants to help you fund your startup. See you on the next one. Jeff, as you continue to grow and take your career forward, where is the best place for people to stay in touch with you and learn more about what you're doing? So can be uh, can be contacted on LinkedIn or on Instagram, Finster Jeff. Additionally, Everbull Crafts at Everbull Craft Superfood. If you want to follow the the actual business unit, Everbull, um, and then I'm available, of course, on Facebook. Perfect. And we'll have all of these links in the show notes. Jeff Fenster, F-E-N-S-T-E-R. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of this with us. Thank you so much. Love your show. Love what you guys are doing. This is great. Really appreciate it.